Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Hallelujah. Amen. And give now the Lord a big clap offering, will you? Yes, Lord. We give all glory to your name. Thank you for the word. Say thank you for the word. Every promise, it's mine, belongs to me, my family, my church, my nation. Amen. Amen. I remember in 1996, I mean, this is about 20 plus years ago, but I remember the incident. And I talked about it to Bonnie, and she said, I remember it too. But in 1996, there was a Marine corporal named Joey Mora, and he was on an aircraft carrier in, uh, off the coast of uh, Iran, in the Iranian Sea. And uh, somehow, a big way, kind of some kind of storm, a wind, came around and the wave happened that the, the ship was bouncing, but he was in a cert certain place and somehow he got, got dislodged and so his body fell into the ocean. And they did, didn't notice it. They, nobody saw that. And when it was only 36 hours later that they realized he was missing. And by that time, I mean, he had he didn't have any life jacket on or anything like that. So they thought, surely in this big ocean, he fell without any life jacket, any, anything like that. So they thought, basically, he's lost. They, they went and looked. They couldn't find anybody. And uh, so they informed. They did the things that usually they do when someone is missing in action. They let his parents know uh, that we basically have lost him as far as we know. He's dead because no one lasts, you know, a day, two days out in the ocean without a lifeboat or, or a jacket, life jacket. And, uh, but the thing was, he remembered his old lessons, the marine lessons, and made turned his pants into a life preserver and just floated. And it was not until about 72 hours later that there were four Pakistani fishermen out in the ocean and they found him and he was almost in a coma. Uh, but he was saying, water, water, I'm thirsty, water. And he, it was one of the great miracles of God that he had been preserved. That whatever preserver he had created out of his pants, that it seemed to hold him up. 
but the one thought he had on all those, they asked him, what, was, what were you thinking of? He said, the only thing he knew, he was thirsty and he wanted water, water, water. That, that's when certain things happen. The thing your body desires is water, that we are all, if we don't have that after some hours, you will start dying. So, in that context, and I just want to point out to you a scripture in the Gospel of John, chapter 7. If you will turn there, John, chapter 7, in the verse 37 and 38 and 39. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, and I we have shared that this is, we are on the verge of one of the great feasts. Uh, this happens near the, more in the fall weather, usually the Feast of Tabernacles. And many tourists, multiple thousands of Jews, try to travel to Jerusalem uh, if they can, during the Feast of Tabernacles, a lot of celebrations. And uh, on that great day of the feast, say the feast. And they call it the feast, but for short, the full name is the Feast, feast of Tabernacles. It was also called the Feast of Ingathering, where the harvest had been gathered in. It says on that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, so it was, according to, in a Greek sense, he said it as loud as he could, shouted it out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this is happening during the Feast of Tabernacles. So this feast is important for us as believers because Jesus makes, and then in the next chapter, he makes another major declaration saying, I am the light of the world. Because at this time, this, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. Certain things are happening. This is the... Uh, there in the, around the temple are four giant menorahs and they are 150 feet high and each of them has a receptacle that will contain about 20 gallons of oil and then the wick is made out of uh, old high priest's clothes that were made into wicks. Uh, when he had no longer had any use of that clothing that was made into a wick, a giant wick. And then they would let a young priest, not an old priest, <laughs> climb up way up there, 150 feet, and fill the menorah. That's a giant menorah. And when it's lit at night, it lighted pretty much most of Jerusalem could see the light that was in the temple. Uh, 
and that this is happening during the Feast of Tab Tabernacles. So they had, the other name is Sukkot or Tabernacles. And it was a memorial that the Lord had instituted. It was in the Word of God. At this time, the seventh month, you will celebrate the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast, the Sukkot. And people would come from all across the world if they had their families that travel outside of Israel. But this was one of the times it was essential that they show up, especially the males, to show up and report at the temple. And uh, it, it would, and every family as they would come up to Jerusalem, during the, at, the, at that time, not far from the temple, they would build sukkahs or tabernacles. And it was to remember and give thanks. Remember how they had to, when they were delivered out of Egypt, the children of Israel under the leadership first of Moses and then of Joshua. Under Joshua's leadership, they came into the promised land, provision. But for 40 years, God preserved them and watched over them from the first day onwards as they were put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and lintels of their houses. Then deliverance came, the heart of Moses. I mean, the Pharaoh was turned around. They were allowed to go out. And uh, though he changed his mind after a little bit, but they were released, set free, and the awesome supernatural light of God was like a covering at night over them. The cloud by day, the fire by night, it says. And this was also happening at the time they had just harvested, big harvest. And so the, the people of Israel was full of praise and thanksgiving that the harvested usually, I mean, God blessed them with a great harvest. So they remembered how God's presence protected them and also provided for them. Say protection, provision. So it was but not only did, he, did God's glory go ahead of them if there were any enemies and scared them to death, but covering at night the fire of God would cover them. And so they would celebrate and God never wanted them to forget even today, now even like this coming week, maybe good for you to look up the, um, the temple, the remains of the temple uh, that's on. Usually you will see that uh, on the web and you will find massive numbers. And I, I, when we used to go, uh, I would go try to stay. Usually I would stay all night and pray. It was such a joy be able to be there and during the Feast of Tabernacles. So uh, at this time it is I feel like it is as we are struggling in some way some people the government is trying to a lot of things that try to scare people and the people that are warned don't do this don't do that and uh, it's quite confusing 
But this is happening during the seventh month of the religious calendar for Israel. And uh, seven days, starting tomorrow, sundown. So this is where Jesus experienced this 2,000 years ago. And he stood at the feast and said, if you're thirsty, come to me. So God is telling you that you need him more than anything that we live on. If you ever try to do a fast without water for three days, believe me, you're not, you don't want to go beyond seven days, I mean three days, because your body totally needs water. So Jesus stands and says, it's his presence and his name, his salvation is more essential for you than even water. But if you want, you can get living water from his presence. And so it's one of the three major pilgrim feasts. And uh, the, this is the time in the fall, early fall. They're looking forward to rain to come. And so it's a prayer for rain also. Looking for a good time of winter where good rainy season will come over all that area of Israel. Uh, so during that time, Sukkah, the Sukkot tabernacles are there. So my memory, Bonnie often would come with me and the kids. We would and I would be invited to hold the healing services at the Christian embassy in Jerusalem. Um, we usually would have 3,000 plus registrations. So there were a lot of people there coming from all across the world. Many small countries of Europe were getting free during this time that used to be under the communist yoke and they would be free. It was quite notable. And it was during this time that uh, one of those seasons that our daughter Sarah was born and Bonnie was making uh, banners. We were flying some of the, not those, but certain banners that would be used to, uh, during the tabernacle season in Jerusalem, there would be a Jerusalem march. And so the Christians would be invited to march also. So it was uh, quite fun to march and take those banners. And uh, it was during that time that Sarah was supposed to be born, but Bonnie didn't have... Uh, see, we were praying that the Lord would give before Sarah came, because then she would, the baby would take most of the time. But she needed to complete those banners. And one of them was, at that time, we were very much involved in raising funds for... Uh, immigration, it had been shut. No Jews were allowed to travel and make Aliyah from Russia or some of the communist nations. And then we were trying to raise funds and for them to be able to immigrate. There it is. That's one of the uh, let my people go. It was, it made headlines across the world. Uh, and so when I asked LL Airlines, 
put that we put it in a giant pipe, a metal pipe. It was looked like a bazooka in the holes of uh, the LL Airlines, and they were very kind and let me take it and did not charge me anything. Uh, it, it says, "Let my people go" in Hebrew at the top, and the pictures, which you can't see them fully. Oops, that you can't see them fully, but it was. 12 by 18 feet and when it was fully stretched up but we had to carry it with these three poles the high ones and then two more so it's kind of draped right now but when it hung up it was almost 20 feet tall and those are uh, felt appliques that were done piece by piece that just represented different constituencies of the Jewish people who as Mahesh said at that time were not being permitted to make Aliyah to Israel. And then we were very privileged to be able to not only raise money for those flights, but to meet one of the first ones that actually um, came with some of the ancient Jewish people that had been praying every year at Passover for their entire lives next year in Jerusalem. And we got to be on the tarmac at Ben Gurion to greet them as they came home. Yeah, that we, that was one of the highlights of our lives was that we didn't know, but the government knew the time when the first big flight, several airplanes came loaded with packed with the Jewish. They were the first ones for a couple of generations that had not been allowed to make Aliyah or come to Israel. And so the government told us to be ready. And we didn't know what was really happening. And they took us on a bus. There were several buses from the, some of the hotels that we were staying at and bused us. Bonnie and I were there to meet the first contingent of these Jews who are allowed to immigrate and let my people go. So that uh, thing really came to pass. And God, in his grace, allowed us to raise large amounts, you know, a few million dollars for the uh, Jews to, to make Aliyah. The restoration of Israel, which really has occurred more or less in our generation in 1948, and then, of course, the victory of the Yom Kippur War in 1967, um, is such a culmination of the fulfillment of prophetic scripture. And always with the history of Israel as it is there as a teacher for us. And we learn so much. Every one of us are looking every day in our Bibles about the story of Israel in the Old Testament and taking courage and encouragement and inspiration and revelation as to how the Lord moves in our lives and what his promises, his faithfulness to his people, his keeping of his covenant. We see it again and again. And certainly the restoration of the homeland for the Jewish people, the state of Israel, and the ongoing unfolding strength and glory is one of the most significant material historic examples for Christians everywhere, every day, that God's word is true. And that even if it tarries, 
Sometimes for generations, we know this. He will keep his promise. And when he said in Israel's worst times, he always added the promise of restoration. And when he said, I will restore you to your land, we have a testimony in front of us that encourages us on every promise God has given us. When we look at Israel, we can say, surely the Lord keeps his word. This morning, um, as I was waking up, the first line from one of the Song of Ascents, there are, um, there are 15 of them. They're from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 in the Bible. And on the night preceding the advent of Feast of Tabernacles, the priests would go step by step into the temple, singing out loud these 15 psalms. And one of them came to me this morning, and I realized as I was just meditating on it that the Lord also brought this up through the worship team, Armand and others, on Friday during the watch. But Psalm 124 from the Song of Ascents going up into the holy the the temple to worship the Lord and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. It says this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And you know, sometimes we find ourselves feeling like there isn't anybody that is actually for us. And I know certainly in our national scenario, with these multi-layered crises and the inability to be given truth straight up, even by our formerly trusted institutions. I know that for Christians and citizens and friends of this nation, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. The swollen waters, and always in scripture, waters is a symbol of masses of people, of nations, of of cultural drifts and streams, of movement, of human sentiment and power and sometimes military might, all of those things. The swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. And that makes us recall the scriptural imagery that human governments and human leaders that are not subject to the ongoing fear of the Lord and his governance directly ultimately, in the best of what they can invent on on the human level, become predatory on the people they have power over. So we see here that imagery. He has not given us as prey to the teeth of otherwise devouring beasts. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. And we heard that in Psalm 91 about this escape that God brings. When there is a trap laid, even to catch a bird of flight, which kind of blows your mind because that's an unsuspecting level 
for a creature of flight to actually be captured. And maybe that's a word for us. We need to continue to stay high. <laughs> Sorry. You didn't laugh at that. <laughs> we need say we need to look at your neighbor and say we need to continue to stay high. I know there's some people going, oh, but you know that addiction in our family and this and that. Well, you know what? We speak to those addictions and those snares, and we say there is no high like the most high who is high above every other high. In Jesus' name. (laughs) Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. Can we just shout that out to the heavens, to the principalities, to every enemy and opposition you face? The snare is broken. Come on, one more time. Amen. Amen. And we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Can you say amen? Let's say we have escaped. Say it like you like it's happened. Amen. And part of the ceremony, the what they do during this seven days, the Feast of Tabernacles, is they would have a ceremony where the high priest would go down from the temple to the pool of Siloam and get water in a golden pitcher. And then they would bring it to the temple and pour it out in these containers. And uh, they would quote uh, from the scripture, Isaiah 12, 3, they would speak that out, which says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Say, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So what do we need? The salvation is, I mean, everything, it is a whole package. Whether you need healing, whether you need deliverance, whether you need the curse broken, that with joy, throw the bucket in and draw from the wells of salvation, healing, restoration, blessing, of your bank account, all of those things you just draw from the wells of salvation God has provided for you. And so, and I experienced this one time. I mean, I used to try to be the hangout around the temple area and all of that uh, in, uh, in that area of the remnants of the temple. And there was a small march taking place and I was just observing and this big truck came by my way and I was just cheering and all that and they say hey you you, huh that's right and they said you want to come with us I didn't know what it was I said sure and there were the people uh doing what they could for the restoration of the temple. They wanted to rebuild the temple. So I saw them, and they came, they went along, and I saw the person taking the waters from the pool of Siloam and up to the old old temple area. So I, I saw that myself about 
drawing water from the wells of salvation. And uh, so the, and then the other thing, at that's, this time. Obviously, that's the reason. At that moment, when the golden pitcher was brought back to the altar in the temple and poured out as it was being poured out, if you can imagine that rabbi from Nazareth, in the midst of that crowd, shouted with all his might as that water was being poured out. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And remember, all of this typifies Jesus. In the end, it was indicative of what the Messiah is doing and is going to do for us in the last days. So, this is, we find Jesus in the middle of all this ceremony. It's all about Jesus. For them, it was symbolic. But we see, you know, Jesus himself on the last day, of course, uh, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink out of his belly. And this he talked about, and it says, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But we find during Easter time that he has been in the he has been in the tomb three days, and on the third day he's resurrected. That's we celebrated, of course, as Easter, and then he stays for 40 days with his disciples. And then on the 40th day, he ascends on high. And 10 days later then, he pours out the Spirit. And that's the part of the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. Uh, he'll pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. We see the example of it on uh, the book of Acts chapter 2 where they receive power, they speak in tongues. And that's we are blessed because of the complete work of Jesus Christ. And so tomorrow evening at, in, in, in Israel, there will be blowing shofars. So on the first to, to declare this is the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles. And remember, it's all about Jesus. Because Jesus says, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. And then in We'll, I don't want to go into uh, chapter 8. We may do it next week. But this is where he says, and as, the, as they have lit uh, on the second day, not the first day, but the second day of the Feast of Tabernacles, they start lighting the four the menorahs that are 150 feet high and 20 gallons of water in each. Of, of yes, sorry, was apologize. That's oil, twenty gallons of oil, and that's lit all night long, and it lights up pretty much most of Jerusalem, and it is again symbolic of Jesus is the light of the world. So that's what they call the temple lighting ceremony, and at that time, the musicians, the Levites, all of the flutes harps, every musical instrument they have, they are using it to exalt and sing great songs and, and sing 
from the different psalms that are indicative of the Feast of Tabernacles and give glory to the Lord Jesus, basically. Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, these are the Hallel Psalms that they sing. And uh, one of them, Psalm 118, says, Lord, save us and grant us success. Say, Lord, save us. Grant us success. So, I mean, they, and God would see to it that this, this word, he would keep his promise and defend them. And as we have seen that, in, if you have been, as you observe the history for the last 70 years, that whenever they have been in battle and looked like they were going to be totally defeated, uh, they would turn it around. And angelic hordes would show up, even in recent days. So, and one of the uh, channels was showing a movie of the founding of Israel. And, and the person who was acting in it, who took up the role of one of the generals, is Kirk Douglas, played the part. He was Jewish himself. And one of the persons, I mean, just a small interest that they, John Wayne started it because he wanted to be with them. He was good friends with Israel. And the other one was Frank Sinatra, you might know. But he wanted a part in that. And so here, there were people, that, they had about four little rinky-dink airplanes available for the Israelis to defend themselves during 1948. And one of the planes... And they show Frank Sinatra playing that part. But what they had, they didn't have bombs. So what they took was seltzer bottles. And it would make a big noise. And it just carbonated water. And they would drop it on the enemy. For, and the enemy thought there were bombs. And they weren't. They were just seltzer bottles. <laughs> it's like Gideon. Yeah. Like Gideon. I mean, they, right. they did the same kind of thing. So Psalm 118, sometime in this next week during Feast of Tabernacles, take your Bible and read through, sing through, shout through Psalm 118. It really embodies the spirit of thanksgiving, of being able to Come to the end of the year, if you imagine back to the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, when now the whole nation would have been journeying on foot with their offerings, seven different kinds of offerings, bringing, preparing with their families oftentimes, but certainly all of the men. But the whole families would have been journeying now for, for days from all over Israel, going towards the temple for this great culmination with thousands of people then ending up in the city and all focused on being there in the temple square with the menorahs and with the, the water pouring ceremony that was happening and the great praises that was, were being lifted up with the ongoing sacrifices, the animal sacrifices of 
the blood of atonement. But Psalm 118 really embodies that spirit of praise in absolute thanksgiving and the testimony of look what the Lord has done. So we really encourage you to take take some time this week. There are 29 verses, but ultimately what it is, it is a proclamation of the testimony of God's victory. And we find Jesus hidden right in the middle of it. In verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner or the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So that's the whole spirit of uh, Feast of uh, Tabernacles. And remember that these feasts, and why, why, do, why are they still viable? Why do we still talk about them? Why do we still in some way acknowledge those periods on the calendar? Because they are all prophetic shadows of the reality of our salvation fulfilled in Jesus. The Passover, of course, is the, the crucifixion. But this particular feast foreshadows the coming of the Lord in victory, the ingathering of all the saints, of all who have believed in him, and the ultimate, that ultimate final harvest and the great eternal rejoicing that we will be celebrating and a part of in the coming of the Lord. And so the Feast of Tabernacles is a lifting up our heads and as scripture says, for your redemption draws near. Amen. And one of the notable days, one of the, during the, happened during the Feast of Tabernacles, but it was on a unique event during the time of the dedication of the temple that Solomon, King Solomon built. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 5, thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father, had dedicated. So this is the time of dedication of the temple. And the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chiefs, chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is in Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. So this is the Feast of Tabernacles. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark, and they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation, all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up. So it goes on what's happening uh, during that time. And it says, it came to pass at the end of the chapter, verse 13, as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So that's something for us to take note 
that the literal glory of the Lord showed up at the dedication of the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. The glory, say the glory, filled the house. And then remember, 10 days after Jesus' ascension, he pours out the Spirit and the glory comes again and fills all the disciples. So the fire, they see fire over the heads of them and they're all speaking in tongues as the glory is manifested in the midst of the believers. So these are some glorious events happening during the Feast of Tabernacles. And we say, Lord, you are welcome. And may you, each of us, stay. I want to always stay, stay thirsty for more. We are filled, but we want more. May he fill us. I want you to raise your hand. Just say, Lord, fill me again. You are welcome, Lord. Thank you for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I have received power from the Lord himself. I want more, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Amen. Just open your mouth. Let the Lord fill you. Pray in tongues for a moment. And I pray those watching us on the web, you too receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we look with anticipation at the Feast of Tabernacles that this is the time Jesus said, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. So let's drink by faith. Be filled. May your house be filled with the glory. May each of your children be filled with the glory. May blessing and favor and promotion be part of their inheritance in Jesus' name. That you are blessing them, running over, shaken together, and giving them good success. With joy we draw from the wells of salvation. In Jesus' name. Say, with joy, I am drawing from the wells of salvation. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big clap. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.